This is the Voice of the Report of the Week, signing on. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone listening. This is VORW International, the Voice of the Report of the Week, signing on for another program this Thursday, the 18th of March, 2019. For those of you tuning in for the first time, as always, VORW International is a weekly light entertainment podcast where I just sit down and share my thoughts on a wide variety of miscellaneous topics and issues, whatever I'm really thinking about at this present time, and then we just break open the mailbag and see what you guys, the listeners, have to say, and uh, then we go into some listener-suggested topics. It's a fun show overall, and uh, it's a lot of fun to do each week. Pleased to be here with you once again, uh, now at least uh, past the midway point, in March, and uh, I got—I got to say it now—we're uh, we're marching onward. So I hope this last week find one for you as always. And if you are listening in right now, I always present an open invitation for correspondence. Whether you're tuned in on one of the many online platforms or via shortwave, you can send an email: v o r w i n f o at gmail dot com. That's v o r w info at gmail.com Alright, first things first, we're into another week, another program, another show to do. And, uh, you know, my energy level, it fluctuates, it goes up, it goes down. On some rare occasions, it kind of stays the same. Uh, But most of the time, I mean, I need, (laughs) you know, I need that coffee. I need that caffeine or whatever uh, to keep me going. And some days I just have more energy than others. I don't, I don't really have any days where I feel like I'm going to bounce off the walls or anything crazy like that. Um, but just some days where I feel like I can do more than others. And today is not one of those days, uh, admittedly. And I'm just, I'm just not, uh, I'm not filled with energy today. Obviously, I have enough to do this show, but I'm not exuberant in any way, shape, or form. I think that can be attributed because I got very minimal sleep last night. I got maybe, I don't know, three hours, maybe. And that was it. And uh, what I always say, at least, is if I got a poor sleep last night, then hopefully I'll be able to have a higher chance of getting a better sleep tonight. So that's my aim, and that's my goal, anyway. And it wasn't even for any reason, you know? It wasn't like... uh, there was any sort of pressing instance as to why I couldn't get to sleep. I mean, it just happens. You know, I deal with insomnia, and I think some of you know how it is. You just lay in there. You want to go to sleep. You might even feel tired, but you just can't get there. And uh, so there you go. <laughs> that's uh, that's the story of, uh, of last night's uh, lack of sleep, I should say. So that's where that stands. Anyway, I was uh, sitting here and I was trying to think about what I should uh, talk about in this program. Two things came to mind, and then the rest of the show, uh, we're just going to go into the listener topics and uh, maybe dedicate a little more time to them than usual, uh, because sometimes, I mean, that the stuff that comes in is absolutely fascinating. You know, it's uh, some of the most interesting stuff. So first and foremost, current event, I just want to bring up Obviously, I think it's been in the news uh, to extremes. Uh, 
uh, but it is worth mentioning anyway. I'm sure many of you have heard about the fire that was at the Notre Dame Cathedral in uh, France, and a terrible, a terrible tragedy. Uh, I, I think they all believe, at least at this current time, that it was accidental. Uh, but still, it was a devastating fire. I was seeing those pictures of it, and it's, you know, it's always sad to see a historic structure. It's been around for so many centuries, uh, you know, either be damaged or destroyed, intentionally or otherwise. It's always such a shame. And I know that they are going to be doing a huge amount of restoration work. That's because, you know, that that's how it is. Uh, you can read about all of the historic structures over the last, uh, you know, number of years that have gotten damaged or destroyed one way or another. Uh, maybe it was because some guy knocked a candle over and it you know, burned down. Could be because of uh, war. Could be intentional or, like I said, accidental. Uh, but there have been lots of times where these historic structures have gotten damaged and they get restored. And of course, you know, some are easier to take care of and kind of build back up than others are. And unfortunately, I think this is going to be a, a difficult one. I mean, you saw how some of the, uh, the, I think it was the spires on it, just completely burned down. Fire is, uh, is no laughing matter, granted. It's... Uh, it can be scary. You know, fire is, uh... It's one of those things that... Sometimes we think we have control over. But in reality, if you just... Turn turn your eyes away from it, just for a second. Fire is, uh... It's just an incredible force. Incredibly destructive. You know, you see all those wildfires and... Buildings that can catch on fire. They all have to start from somewhere. And all it takes is just a little spark, you know, a tiny little glowing ember. And if it's just in the right place, right time, right circumstances, you name it, that tiny little ember will just explode, pretty much. Explosive growth. And end up into this massive, uncontrollable fire that will lead to massive amounts of property damage and in some, some unfortunate cases, death as well. But... Whenever I, uh, you know, set a fire and whatever, try to burn something and and prepare a fire, it's always done in, in appropriate circumstances, usually in a, a fire pit, controlled environment, you know, because sometimes you see these videos where someone is, uh, you know, kind of playing around with fire and they're doing it on their desk at home or whatever, and they think, oh, it's just a little candle or whatnot. It's totally manageable. It's just a book of matches, you know, no uh, no problem. If, if, if anything goes awry, I can just uh, blow it out or snuff it out. And that's that, right? It's over. It's done. No big deal. But you see, I mean, you see some of these videos on YouTube or whatever. I think there was one, this one guy, maybe he was in Japan, I don't know. He was streaming something, and uh, he was trying to get this one lighter to work and all of a sudden the you know the lighter catches on fire so of course i mean 
people also kind of forget how hot a fire is. And uh, suddenly what you're holding on catches on fire. You're going to drop the thing. So, I mean, he drops it. And it lands in this basket of papers. All of a sudden, now all the papers catch on fire. And he's trying to put it out, but it just keeps spreading. Gets caught on more papers. And his desk catches on fire. And his furniture. And uh, before you know it, his whole apartment burns down. So fire can... Uh, it's, it's no wonder why it can spread so fast. And it can just get so incredibly destructive. I think there was one statistic... I may be incorrect here, but I think it said that almost every, in certain cases anyway, I think every 30 seconds or every minute, a uncontrolled fire doubles in size. Let me try and find the exact. Oh yeah, here it is. In regards to house fires, which I think is most common, uh, what you and I would have the possibility of dealing with, it states that a fire can double in size every 30 seconds, causing everything in a room to burn in as little as three minutes. And uh, it's, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy to think that it can spread that quickly. And uh, it, it's just insane. But hopefully the restoration effort at the uh, Notre Dame Cathedral will be a success. I know that they're really going to try. I, I imagine that in, in a number of years, once it's finally completed, it'll look as beautiful as ever. But of course... You know, it's not going to be the same. Uh, when something is restored, even if they try to be completely exact, uh, there's still going to be those changes and uh, certain things that they're going to have to fix and make adjustments to, etc. Unfortunately, just because of, of how things are. But I, I wish them the best. I myself have never been to, to Paris. You know, I've never even... <laughs> I've only been to the United States and Canada, so I'm not going to be one of the people that pretends that they, uh, you know, knew every single thing about this, uh, this building, I, you know, I, I know it was just a beautiful historic structure, had a huge amount of, of history behind it, and it's a, such a shame to see something like that lost, but at least it's not totally gone, you know, at least it's not burned to the ground, so at least there's a little bit of hope and that option for a successful restoration to occur going forward. Second topic that I wanted to bring up was uh, the weather. The weather? Come on. Can you talk about something more interesting? I mean, the weather? Is that, is that all you really got? Like, I, I know I know you got whatever, how, how, however many hours of sleep last night, but come on, you can, you can do better than that. The weather? Yeah, no, the weather. What about it? Well, I was thinking about this yesterday as I was kind of sitting around and collecting some materials for today's program. And I was looking outside, and I always try to check the National Weather Service before I go to sleep to just see what the weather forecasts are. The weather is one of those mundane things. And I think it is so mundane because it's, it's always around us. It's not like it just comes and goes. It is always here, right? It's ever-present. Everything around us, outside, is the weather. What temperature it is, cloud cover, humidity, precipitation, wind speed, etc., etc. It's the weather. And because it is around us so often, we get used to it. Like, it's just one of those things, 
if it is always around you, you just, you forget about it. There's better things to focus on than it. But it is so important. I mean, so incredibly important. It really dictates so much of our lives, and we don't even realize it most of the time. What are you going to wear tomorrow? Chances are the weather is going to play a role in that. What are you going to do tomorrow? Well, even if you have a pretty strict, rigid routine, if it's a beautiful sunny day... Well, that was a rather odd sound. If any uh, resident animal experts know what that thing was, feel free to interject to let me know, but... Very well, then. The show continues. Uh, well, what I was going on about, anyway, in regards to the weather, and that thing kind of broke my train of thought, but that's totally fine. No, no problems, no issues there. That happens all the time. Well, what I was going on about, what I was trying to say, anyway... The weather, for being such a, uh, a mundane thing, something that we really do not put in such high regard, really is a much greater factor in everyday life than we'd think, and it really does dictate the course of our, our actions each day. Like I was saying before I got cut off, every single day, even if we have a very rigid routine, the way the weather is will still proceed to influence it and it will still uh, change its course, for better or for worse. For instance, even if you have to do something from 9 to 5, if it is a beautiful day, that might affect your commute, might affect what you do before or after work or school or whatever you're doing. If it's a terrible, uh, very poor weather day, that will also play a role in it. You know, there's so many, uh, so many factors that the weather can play a role in. I think we just don't even think about very often. Again, because it is just ever happening. It's always going on. And uh, one thing that's been of interest lately, anyway, was severe weather. I was kind of sitting around, and sometimes I like looking up those, uh, you know, meteorology videos, the storm chasers, all that stuff. I think even for the average person that doesn't care one single bit about the weather, unless it's absolutely necessary will sometimes find those videos interesting. And I was you know, watching a few the other day. I was watching some of uh, Water Spouts. And there was, um, there was this one video. Someone in the Florida Keys was driving around in their boat. And there were some water spouts, and they thought it would be a good idea to just sail into the thing. And uh, needless to say, they, they, they made it. It was you know, unscathed, but that's a good way to get your boat flipped over and drowned, but obviously they didn't care. They just, you know, wanted the adrenaline rush. Their boat, you know. But anyway. And then there was another video. It was very interesting. It was this other water spout. And it was just so fascinating how it was able to develop so rapidly, where at first it's just this oh, barely visible little column of water. And all of a sudden, in the course of probably ten seconds... It just becomes this giant, practically a tornado at that point. Just the fact that it was able to, you know, get, get so massive so fast. It's just very interesting. Uh, but that just brought me back. I was thinking about this one time. 
one of my experiences with severe weather. We all have different things that maybe we are not particularly fond of. So with some cases, maybe we don't like uh, storms that have a lot of wind. Or there might be cases where we don't like storms that have a lot of lightning or have a very heavy rain. Or maybe we don't like hail storms. Maybe we, uh, we aren't fan of, of lightning storms or snowstorms or whatever it is. And it's for one reason or another. Maybe just one of those things uh, invokes a sense of fear. Or maybe it's just due to the fact that one may be more likely to cause physical or material damage than another one. It could merely be a, a simple means of preference. You know, uh, well, I'm, I'm not a fan of lightning, right? Other people will say, yeah, but I find uh, lightning to be very soothing, you know, very relaxing and comforting, and I like the sounds of a thunderstorm. And, you know, you'll get people that beg to differ, and you'll get people that are uh, in complete unifying agreement. So, we all have our, our differences, and the certain things of storms that we are uh, a fan of and certain things we don't like. And that just brought me back, I don't know why, but yesterday I was remembering this one time back when I was up in New York. Gosh, this was probably... I'm just thinking back to myself. I guess it was ten years ago now. Wow. How time flies, you know? Sometimes I, I think I think back... And I'm recollecting something, and I think, like, oh, it must have been, uh, two, maybe three or four years ago. Uh, no, it turns out it's ten years ago. And, uh, so on. But, it was about ten years ago, it was 2009. Almost probably to the, not quite to the day, but pretty close, I'll tell you that. And I remember there was this, uh, line of, uh, of storms coming through. But it wasn't anything crazy. Like, it's not like I've never been through a thunderstorm before. Granted, especially here in Florida, there's a time of the year, granted, where you get thunderstorms every single day. I mean, you get used to it. Sometimes, like, the really close lightning can be a little unnerving when it's just, it feels like it literally struck right in your backyard. And that always happens a few times, but... Yeah, you, know, you gotta tell yourself, yeah, even if it were to theoretically strike your house or your apartment or your, bu your building or wherever you're in, the chances are it's not going to do you any harm, and you're going to be completely fine. So, light lightning can be intimidating, but it's not as, not necessarily as bad as uh, it initially comes off to be. But, I remember there was this one line of storms that was supposed to be passing through the New York area, and it was just a, uh, a line of thunderstorms, nothing too crazy, and it's not like there were any sort of, uh, severe weather warnings, it's not like there was any sort of, uh, severe thunderstorm warning, or a tornado warning, or any of that, it was just, oh, you know, there might be some wind, and, uh, that's it, it's gonna be, you know, the usual, all right, no big deal, right, it's just the usual, uh, no problem. Been there, done that. Another day. So I remember that night. Uh, we went out to dinner. I think it was to... Uh, might have been to Chili's. I think that's where it was. 
I don't even know if those places are still... I, again, like those types of places, Chili's, Applebee's, Friday's. I used to go to those a lot. Haven't been there in so long now, and uh, the horror stories that I hear from these places uh, gives me no motivation to ever go back. I, I mean, back then I thought the food was pretty solid, but nowadays I just hear one thing after the next about how it's just microwaved garbage, but that's a tangent. Either way, I'm pretty sure I was satisfied with my meal. And uh, it was blustery. It was windy, but it was nothing crazy. So we go back home. I'm, uh, whatever. You know, it's just, it's the evening at this point. It's dark. Uh, watching TV or on the computer or whatever. And all of a sudden, there's this one gust of wind, and that's usually what does it. It's not the continuous wind that'll cause any damage. A lot of the time, it's just one gust that far exceeds the rest of the main wind and its uh, its speed. So, for instance, let's just say wind uh, was sustained at maybe 30 miles per hour, because it was very, as I said, it was very, very uh, blustery. Now, all of a sudden, there's a gust that is maybe, you know, 60, 70 miles per hour. There's just this one wind gust. Remember, it was so strong uh, the house is kind of, it's like made of wood, and you could hear all the boards shifting, uh, which is always pretty crazy. After that wind gust dies down, I hear this creaking sound, and it sounds like an old, uh, an old wooden door kind of opening slowly, and just this kind of creaking of, uh, of wood. I'm trying to figure out where it's coming from. All of a sudden, I realize it's coming from the backyard. And, obviously, the wind must have dislodged one of these huge oak trees. And there it was, kind of falling down right there. And before you know it, boom. I mean, it just... You know, it fell, and it fell hard. Uh, it, it was so loud, it, everything... It shook everything. And... Obviously... We were all trying to figure out, okay, you know, did, it, did it hit the house? Uh, did it hit anything? Did it hit another tree? Did it hit the neighbor's house? What's going on? So uh, we go to the back door, try to, you know, just take a look, survey, and find out, number one, what tree fell. Number two, where did it fall? And what the damage is. And, uh, well, sure enough, we try to go to open the back door, and there's this giant giant branch completely blocking it so we just had to you know kind of be on the inside look around figure all right well there is no hole in the roof and we'll try and figure out what's going on the next day after the worst of the wind dies down and sure enough this giant tree in one of the distant corners of the yard and it was one of those trees that was just exceptionally tall i mean it was a very old tree and had that opportunity to grow quite large, fell at such an angle that it was able to reach probably like a, a foot from the house. And it smashed the back deck, smashed that to pieces, but thankfully it missed the house itself. But the oddest thing was that it probably fell maybe at a... Uh, 33 degree angle perhaps 
And if it had fallen at a different angle and in a more direct way toward the house, it would have definitely hit it. And being such a large tree, and it had that momentum behind it, that's a scary thing, you know. It, it had this weight to it, had this momentum. Had it have fallen at a different angle, if perhaps the wind direction was just a little bit to uh, the north, I would say, it would have smashed right into the house. Either will it, it either would have made a nice big hole right there in the roof, or it probably would have even been worse, and it would have fallen clean through and caused extreme damage, at the very least. Uh, you know, thankfully, we're all in the other part of the house, so had it have fallen, you know, and, and hit the house, at least we wouldn't have been in an area where it you know, would have gotten killed or anything, but uh, needless to say, it would be a very, very different experience. But I mean, that's the thing, it goes to show. Weather is no laughing matter, especially severe weather. Now, before we go on with the show any further, I just want to interject very briefly. Uh, last week's show, I asked a little bit of a question uh, in regards to the fast food industry and its perceived decline. We got a lot of fascinating responses, and we're going to be getting to that next. Uh, for the heck of it, I'm going to ask another question for this program, and uh, if you have an interesting response, send it in, and maybe we'll get to it next week. If you have any interesting experiences with severe weather, and you'd like to share them, send an email to v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. Again, if you just have any interesting experiences or stories you'd like to share or tell in regards to severe weather, or any points you'd like to make in regards to it, Send me an email, v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com, and in the next show, we'll get to a bunch of them. It's not to say that you need to be uh, paranoid and on your toes, and if you see some thunderstorms coming, you know, uh, just duck and cover and, uh, you know, stockpile on, on uh, canned goods and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, no, no, you don't, you don't need to go that far out. Uh, but it's just, I think, sometimes the seriousness of weather gets lost in how common it is. And because it is just so common, and it happens so often, you know, we, uh, we, f we forget about it. I mean, we just don't, we, we underestimate it is probably the best thing to say. Oh, thunderstorms, been there, done that. Happens all the time. It'll happen again, and we will be completely unscathed. Most of the time we are, but sometimes we're not as lucky. And after a weather event, sometimes you're driving around or you're seeing pictures on the news or whatever, and you see someone with all the trees down or their house flooded or one, you know, one thing or the next. You think, oh, I'm glad that wasn't me. But it happens to someone, and one day that someone might be you. There's always different ways of prevention, and trying to minimize any losses, but there are times when the elements and simply nature will not be on your side. And no matter what you do, 
just the way things are. Uh, sometimes there will be that damage from the storm. Best thing to do is, I mean, number one, just be aware of weather forecasts. Pay attention to what's going on. So at least if you know that there is a possibility of a severe, significant weather event, you'll at least know that it's going to happen and you'll have that advanced knowledge of it and you'll be able to gauge uh, the potential severity thereof. Always good to just be able to utilize the resources at your disposal. Really good weather apps, information, uh, radar. You know, you can get right there on your phone or whatever. And literally track things up to the minute. Now, always remember the National Weather Service, it's there for you. If they feel that there will be an imminent threat, uh, they will post the warnings. And they have their own radio stations. You can find a, a radio. I, I think everyone should have one, to be honest, uh, that has the weather band on it. And you can find all the weather radio stations on it that should something be going on and you need to find out, it's a good way to uh, be able to do so. Especially if you, you lose the internet or uh, TV or whatnot in any sort of storm. There's always some good emergency radios out there. Personally, I say uh, get one that has shortwave on it too, so you can kind of chill out and listen to VORW in the meantime. But that's just uh, my two cents. And you are listening to VORW Radio International, the voice of the Report of the Week. This is the second half of the program, now commencing part two. Oftentimes not equally spaced uh, in the program itself, but nonetheless this is the second half of the show, wherein we read and respond to some of the listener correspondence, and most importantly, listener-suggested topics that have been sent in over the last week. To state the obvious, though not necessarily, uh, this is another recording uh, recorded at a different time, same day, so uh, just a little bit later on, now it's the morning, uh, just because I, I don't know what animal that was that was screeching, and uh, while it was not overly distracting, uh, it certainly was a lot louder for me than it was for you, so uh, it's rather difficult to record uh, with just this incessant screeching in the background just coming out of the darkness. And, so I said, all right, I'm going to put the brakes on things for a short time anyway, and uh, we'll pick up where we left off. So like I said, this is the second half of the por- uh, the program, the second portion of the program. Uh, as introduced, we simply read and respond and uh, get to the listener-suggested topics. Now, this part of the show is highly interactive for the listening audience because it is your feedback that takes center stage here, that uh, really is is where the spotlight is shining. So if you have a topic you'd like to hear my thoughts on, if you have any feedback on the show so far, or whatever is to follow, uh, or if you'd just like to let me know that you're listening, that too is always important. Your thoughts and feedback, graciously appreciated, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. That's V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. If you're tuned in on the shortwave, reception reports are appreciated. I will QSL. All you need to do is let me know the time and frequency that you're listening. Always great to know someone on the shortwave is listening as well. 
And finally, before anything else, it should also be mentioned that this broadcast is listener-funded. The only way that it stays on air, yes, via shortwave, but online, too. Uh, someone was saying, well, I don't really want to uh, support shortwave, you know, and, and so on. Uh, but this goes out online. And those online platforms that it is hosted on, that it is broadcast on, and that it is there that probably a large number of you are listening via, that costs money, too. To do this show, there's always such a thing as production cost. That comes with or without radio airtime. As a weekly program, costs never cease. Ad rates, as I think I said in the last show, I think, what did we... For last week's show, we got like five bucks, and that was it. So, uh, you have that. And with no one really wanting to advertise at this point, only way to keep it going is by a donation via PayPal to V-O-R-W... I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Again, via PayPal, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Via Patreon, patreon.com slash the report of the week. Could you imagine if every person listening to this program right now gave $5? We would be set. Uh, we would be set, and I could quit you know, with, with this and uh, wouldn't need to do this anymore. We'd be able to take care of the show, take care of operating costs for a long, long time. Unfortunately, that's not the way that it works. So, if you can help, it is always much appreciated. You know how, and if you do so, I hope you know I am very, very thankful for your support. In the most literal sense, and I truly mean it when I say it, if you've supported this broadcast in the past or in the present... You are doing a direct part to keep this show going. If you like what you hear, and you want to hear more of it, you are literally contributing and helping this go. Consider it, and if you can, like I said, it is much appreciated. With that being said, let's see what we have in today's program. So it's going to be a good amount uh, in this uh, part of the show. We have five... Listener editorials. Uh, those are all directly related to the question that I posed in the program last week, and that was, uh, what are your thoughts on the fast food decline thereof? And as I did mention earlier in the show, if you've had any interesting experiences with severe weather that you would like to share, you can always do so. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Perhaps we'll cover them in uh, the program to come. Next week's show, by that I mean. And uh, after that, we have, I believe, seven or eight listener-suggested topics. Before we continue, I want to give a shout-out to uh, a few of our listeners, as we do every week. Online listeners checking in. Nada in Egypt. Lynn in Connecticut. And Roy in Austin, Texas. Listeners on shortwave reporting in. We hear from John in Wisconsin, tuned in on 5850 kHz. Phil in Grants Pass, Oregon, listening on 5850. Matt in Denver. Doug in Georgia, both of them tuned in on the same frequency. Uh, we also hear from a listener who goes by the name Radio McRadioface, tuned in on 5850. And then Steve in Gaithersburg, Maryland, listening in on 7780 kilohertz. 
We now get to our editorials. First, we hear from Mr. Fusion, who writes, Hello. I'm just writing in to say that I myself have noticed the decline in fast food quality. On April 12th, 2019, I decided to eat at my local McDonald's, and I ordered a Big Mac with some nuggets and a tea. The wait time was rather long for a drive through and the workers seemed very orchestrated, as if they were here, there, and everywhere. When I received the final product, I noticed that they added an extra bun, uh, which they noticed as well and tried to rip off, but half of that bun still remains, so they decided to squash it down with their, quote, secret sauce, unquote. And then I noticed that even in their attempt to overhydrate the sandwich, they still messed up, and the product was very dry. Sandwich tasted awful. I didn't want to cause a scene, so I didn't ask for another sandwich. Instead, I ate the poor, pitiful thing they've called a Big Mac. And as I derail off topic, I've noticed that their sandwich sizes have generally decreased within a five-year period, and the Big Macs are no longer as big as they were in 2014 or just a year ago. That came from a listener who goes by the name Mr. Fusion. Thank you for uh, your feedback and for tuning in. And that is a comment that I have... uh, I've heard many times before, and I've even experienced it myself. In regards to portion sizes, even at McDonald's, like, you know, for years you've seen the uh, expectations versus reality, right? Oh, this looks uh, just like the ad, when it obviously looks nothing like it at all. Even with the reduced portion size, you end up, it seems like it is getting even smaller and smaller, and smaller, which is crazy you know, when you really think about it. Like, portion sizes are already small. But you are right. I've, I mean, I've noticed uh, when I go to local McDonald's, it seems like the patties, they almost like cut it in half. And you're getting half of a patty now. It's just, uh, you know, not all of them are that bad, but some of them, I, I completely understand what you're going through. So thank you for writing in. Uh, next, we hear from Greg F., who writes, Being a poor college student... I frequent McDonald's on almost a daily basis since it is the most cost-effective way for me to get calories and it usually tastes pretty damn good. The McDonald's I go to is very consistent, but I have been to other McDonald's that are very hit or miss. Now, having been to so many different McDonald's and other fast food establishments, I think I know why. The root of the problem is the management workforce at any given McDonald's. Now, McDonald's, as a company, can only provide the materials and equipment and the building that houses those things necessary to make its food. Beyond that, it is left to the people who are actually preparing the food. Now, if the workers at said McDonald's are not motivated by management to prepare food to a certain standard, the consistency just won't be there. And even beyond that, the people preparing the food you are eating get paid bare minimum, and are likely not motivated to do anything above the bare minimum as a result. This is especially the case in low socioeconomic areas, where the staff is generally composed of adults in their 30s and beyond, who really aren't making much money for an adult. The McDonald's I go to is staffed primarily by very young people, most of whom appear to be just barely old enough to work. People that young are more likely to be motivated at such low pay. That is an interesting point. 
And I think, in large, perhaps the pay or lack thereof may directly correlate to the service. Like you said, if you are getting paid something, you know, chances are you'll do the job, but if it is the bare minimum, you hate working there, you're miserable, you're not really going to be going to work with a smile on your face, and you're not necessarily going to have uh, the, the work ethic of champions. Uh, instead, it's just going to be, all right, let me just, you know, do what I gotta do and get another day over with, and so on and so forth. That is interesting, though, uh, because sometimes I will hear counter-arguments that will say, a lot of the time, uh, this is just going from what other people say personally, I've had experiences on both sides, uh, but you'll hear some individuals who will say, uh, well, you know, there's just all these high school kids working at uh, my uh, McDonald's, and they just they lazy, and they just slack, and they do a terrible job. Uh, but that's not always the case. You know, I go to uh, fast food places uh, that are staffed by, you know, high school, college guys, and the food is excellent. And then sometimes it's staffed by people that very same age. It's bad. And sometimes, you know, you'll go there, and the person uh, taking your order is at least in their 50s, and, uh, you know, has an attitude, and is nasty, and mean, and, you know, pay may very well be uh, a big playing factor in that, so thank you for writing in. Uh, Tanner in Georgia is checking in. Uh, now, he, he had a lot to say, but he, he really, what I wanted to cover, he said, in closing, I'd be very interested in knowing if you feel Chick-fil-A has also gone downhill, or if they are a cut above the other fast food restaurants nowadays. Thank you for your time, as always, and I will be donating to your PayPal soon when I can. Thank you, Tanner, for your kind words, support, and question. Chick-fil-A is one of those places that I do hold in high regard, uh, because they are one place, in my opinion, that is bucking the trend of uh, you know low-quality fast food. They are, if you ask me. And I would consider them to be a cut above the rest, because they provide consistently good food. You know, I always go there, and I always get the spicy chicken sandwiches. That's my favorite. I always... Now, the regular Chick-fil-A sandwich, don't get me wrong, that one is fine as well. Uh, but the spicy sandwich, that one is, uh... That one's my favorite. I don't know, it's just... You know, there's all different types of spice... And I always call it, like, a very flavorful spice. It's got that little bit of heat to it. It's not overwhelming, so, I mean, it doesn't... Uh, it's not like you're they're gulping down the water or whatever drink you brought along with you. Um, but it's just flavorful, and it's just a really good sandwich. And of all the times I've ever been to Chick-fil-A, and it's been a lot, even if I really haven't reviewed them too often, I, I mean, I go there all the time. They they Because they provide a good a good product. You know, that's why. That's why they have my business. Because I know every single time I go, I'm guaranteed a good meal. And that's always the case. I, I really don't think that there's been a time yet where I've gone to Chick-fil-A and was extremely disappointed in the, um, you know, the service that I got or the, uh, just the food that I was received. So they definitely are a cut above the rest. If I have only one thing to complain about in in terms of Chick-fil-A, it's just that they they did replace their, their kale salad. I guess they call it the superfood side. 
and I don't know what the name of this new salad is. I'm not a fan of it, though. I think it is definitely lower quality than the superfood side. It's just like now it's just, I don't know, coleslaw. I don't like that to begin with. So I'm just not a fan of that. And I do think that is a reduction in quality. But at least their main food, anything chicken-based, they do seem to still be maintaining the standards, which is uh, very important, if you ask me. So Chick-fil-A is still doing good, but uh, with sincerity, I hope it stays that way. And our final editorial comes from Krista in Florida. Uh, She had a lot to say, but it was very interesting to read. Uh, She says, I agree 100% with you that something is happening to fast food restaurants in my area. I live in the central Florida area, and for the past 10 or so years, I have become more and more disappointed. I can only speak for Rockledge, Merritt Island, and Vieira. I began to notice the decline of fast food, starting with Burger King. I'm not sure what has happened to Burger King in my area, but God, am I disappointed. A few years ago, I think the Burger King in Rockledge just closed out of the blue. Honestly, I'm not even sure what's going on with it right now. I thought it was still closed, but I just looked it up, and Google shows that they're open. Regardless, the lobby area became so gross and grimy that you wouldn't even want to go in there, and the food quality is not like it should be. My next issue is with my specific Wendy's, and I think this specific restaurant is really what compelled me to share my story with you today. I'll start by saying that when I was a kid... Every Wednesday night, I would go to this Wendy's with my dad and sister. The lobby was freshly renovated, and there was this awesome centerpiece in the middle, and the restaurant had plants and flowers, and it was huge, and it looked beautiful. Every Wednesday night, they had this clown that would come in and play with us. She knew everyone by name, made balloon animals for us. It was just a very important part of my childhood. I don't know why, but looking back on it just makes me so happy. Well, fast forward 15 years, and the door to the Wendy's has actually been missing for three years now. The carpet makes the place smell like pure mold, and that centerpiece I mentioned no longer exists. The restaurant is barren, never had an upgrade. I I tried to give the Wendy's the benefit of the doubt last month and went with my dad again, so we had coupons, and why not? Big mistake. When he walked in, two odd-looking guys cut us in line... One had just recently had his ear freshly sliced off. I'm not even kidding you. Oh my gosh. And the other man he was with was cracked out on drugs. I don't think he even knew it was going on, so... Alright, whatever. I just get my food and it'll be okay, but everything was burned. Not only was my order completely wrong, but everything was blackened. Magically... There was no one at the register to help out, so I gave up, and I don't think I'll ever go back to that Wendy's again. Even the chocolate chip cookie I ordered was burnt as well. And I I saw that story, and I just, I found the sheer ridiculous, ridiculousness, the absurdity of it. It was too good not to mention. You know, it does remind me, I think a lot of times, especially... Like, even recently, of course, you can find many issues with a lot of fast food places. You start going back 10 years, 15 years, uh, 
you know, go back to the 90s, the 80s, and then really forget about it. I mean, every place will seem like an absolute dive compared to it. And you'll be wondering, like, what, what, what happened? And how did it just go so far downhill? Uh, like you said, the one Wendy's case in point, where uh, 15 years ago, it was in good shape. It was a welcoming atmosphere, probably good service, good uh, quality food, welcoming atmosphere. Then you, then you go back there to the present. You know, the place is a dump, obviously not in the best area anymore. And uh, the service is just as awful, and the product is probably even worse. And it's sad to think about, and I do think that it is actually possible to fix these places up. The only thing is, are there places that are even willing to dedicate the time, effort, and resources to do so? It reminds me of a, uh, I would define it as a regional chain. It was in the New Jersey area. Maybe if you uh, live in uh, northern New Jersey, maybe you remember this place. It was called uh, Charlie Brown Steakhouse. And there must still be like 15 or 20 of those places around. And uh, when I was young, I always used to go there. And it was like a... Uh, they served a little bit of everything. I mean, granted, it was a steakhouse, but they had their salad bar and... You know, you can get uh, burgers and wings and all that type of stuff as well. And, of course, I wasn't a real big uh, steak consumer when I was young, so I'd always go for the hamburger. And for a while, it was really good. And uh, the food tasted great. The service was good. And it was just... I mean, overall, there were lots of people there. It was a very lively restaurant. And then toward the mid-2000s, as the uh, recession approached, maybe it was because, uh, you know, the company was going through some difficult times, who's to say? The quality started going down. And fewer and fewer people started showing up. And before you know it, you know, this one place that I always used to go to as a kid and had all these uh, memories of what a vibrant place it was, uh, it, it was like it was just, you could visibly tell that it was on the verge of just completely dying uh, at this point. And it was just depressing to be at. Uh, the service had gone downhill. There was almost no one there. It was like, you know, like those places you, you see on Kitchen Nightmares where you're, you know, where Gordon Ramsay is literally the only person sitting there. I mean, that's how it was a number of times. But this is one of those rare success stories where despite all of that, I think they went through some upper management changes. Maybe they got a new CEO. And they decided, all right, we're going to take a risk. We're going to raise prices, redo the entire menu, and it's going to be a dice roll. Either the quality will go up, and with that, people will come back, or we're going to make all these changes and we're going to go under like we are already. But they made these changes... And, uh, I mean, they have their heads above water again. And last I checked, I, that was late 2018, last time I, I wasn't there, but I drove by, uh, the parking lot was full. And, uh, it seems like they, uh, you know, they're just, they're back to where they used to be. So that's not to say that 
Granted, this is, again, like a regional chain. It doesn't have 1,500 restaurants, you know, 15 or so. But it goes to show that it is possible that even in these uh, very bad situations, management, if the right choices are made, still has that ability to turn what would otherwise seem like a failing place, be able to turn it around. I hope that happens with a lot of these uh, bigger establishments and while in large, a lot of us can agree that the quality at many of these places has gone downhill, it is still such a case-by-case basis. And there are still so many different factors to take into account. Is it a fixable problem? Maybe. But it'd be a difficult one to tackle no matter what. When sometimes it literally does come down to who is working at this place... And that is what will be the deciding factor as to whether your meal is good or not. VORW International, going out right now on 7780 kHz, 5850 kHz. Questions, comments, topic suggestions, feedback, reception reports. VORWINFO at gmail.com. So now uh, we got all the editorials uh, read. Very interesting feedback. I I think maybe I'll, if there's something even worth asking from one show to the next, perhaps I'll introduce that as a new segment because uh, that's interesting and it's interesting about, you know, hearing hearing your guys' uh, perspective and feedback on uh, whatever was, was discussed and if there's any stories or tangents, etc. Uh, I think it just adds a bit bit of character to the show. Now we're going over to the listener-suggested topics, random things uh, that people would like to hear my take on. Uh, John H., checking in, and uh, he just said, Have you ever listened to uh, the Gene Shepard show? He said, uh, you remind me of him. Uh, yes, now obviously that is not a current show, so it's not like it's a podcast or anything. Uh, back in the day, Gene Shepard, if you're not familiar with who he was, he was a radio host who had airtime in the uh, New York City market, uh, probably back in the 1960s and 70s, on AM station WOR, that's uh, 710 AM, and they're still going to this day, though. Uh, in my my opinion, they don't host shows as prolific as his anymore. If, if even you don't recognize his radio show, I'm sure you remember the movie uh, The Christmas Story. Or was it A Christmas Story? Well, you know what I mean, Christmas Story. And that movie was based off of one of Gene Shepard's radio broadcasts. So what his show would be is he would pretty much... It was a very relaxing show, and obviously I, I, I act like I was alive to hear this. I wasn't, obviously. Uh, but there are many, many, many recordings of it available online. And uh, it was a very relaxing show. He would just kind of get up to the microphone, sit down, and just talk. And uh, usually he would share stories about one thing or the next... Uh, but he was a, a great storyteller, and he was uh, extremely eloquent. That's the best way to put it. Uh, but thank you. I take that as a as a, a very wonderful compliment. Uh, thank you, John. And yes, absolutely. I've I've listened to many recordings of his uh, show. And I guess with this next topic suggestion, I'm I'm about to burn my bridges. But we're just gonna go. We're gonna go forward full speed ahead. Uh, Gretchen in Portland, Oregon, writes. 
I listen to your broadcast regularly on YouTube, but I would like to buy a shortwave radio to listen with and for emergencies, uh, such as earthquake preparedness. Can you recommend a good quality mid-priced radio? I've looked at some on Amazon. Well, since it's been introduced, let's just go all out. Uh, personally, in, in regards to mid-priced radios, uh, either go with the Texun, and whenever I say that, I always like to specify it's uh, spelt T-E-C-S-U-N. You know, because some people think I'm just saying Texan, right? Which kind of makes sense. You know, oh, Texas was made in, uh, you know, that state. No, it's a it's a Chinese-made radio, but it's one of the things from China that isn't uh, garbage. It's, it's extremely high quality. Uh, but I'd recommend getting the Texun PL-660 shortwave radio. Again, the Texun PL-660 or the Texun PL-880. Now, if you're not a fan of that, uh, you can check out the CC Skywave radio. That's another good one. Uh, those are all some really good uh, mid-priced radios. So if you want to get a radio, Amazon.com slash shop slash the report of the week. That's Amazon.com slash shop slash the report of the week if you have any questions you know if you're just you're not sure you want to say hey look i'm interested in getting a radio can you help me out or you want to know the best frequencies for your country or part of the united states or wherever you are let me know send me an email v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com and uh, I'll, I'll happily help you out uh, next topic coming up is from jen in pennsylvania she says, Do you like being a celebrity? I myself would never want to be in the limelight. I'm a bit shy. I enjoyed your latest podcast. I'm looking forward to next week's. I don't consider myself a celebrity. Uh, I never have. I don't see myself as one. I just... You know, it just seems... I, I don't know. I, the word that comes to mind, and I don't mean any sort of offense in saying so in regards to your uh, question, preposterous, uh, but I just do not consider myself that. I myself am extremely introverted, so sometimes going out can always be a bit, uh, bit of a nail-biter, best way to put it. But thinking about the impact that all of this hopefully can have on people is very rewarding. Uh, but, you know, I just... I don't think I could give a proper answer to the question as you specified, uh, just because I don't I don't consider myself to be a celebrity. Uh, but thank you again for asking. And uh, like if if I were an A-list celebrity, I would never I would never leave. I would never go outside. You know, having all these people sitting there waiting to take your picture, follow you around, this and that, and document every single second of your life. You're never entitled to privacy anymore. I understand why some people that are constantly in the limelight and end up just going going nuts and lose it. I, I understand it. Some people just aren't meant for that lifestyle. Uh, and I, for one, I don't think I am. It just seems unbelievably nerve-wracking. So we have a few more questions uh, coming in. This next one comes from Emily, uh, listening in on Apple Podcasts. I have a question... Actually, rather a topic I would be interested in hearing your thoughts on during the show. Apologies if it has already come up. 
in past episodes that I haven't heard, what do you make of the survivalist or prepper movement in the United States? Is it something more of us should take seriously? Is some of it just paranoia or extremism? Is there a better alternative to a hyper-individualist focus on self-sufficiently in the face of a true disaster? Or is it inevitable that these skills would be necessary if society broke down? Thank you for your question. And it's an interesting one because on shortwave, uh, there are lots of, uh, lots of prepper type of shows. Uh, where you have lots of uh, radio shows that you still hear on on shortwave uh, that are done by conspiracy theorists, uh, you know, patriot, uh, militia groups, uh, you name it. So uh, you get lots of shows that, uh, you know, talk about one thing or the other. So, I mean, I'm very uh, familiar with the the prepper um, survivalist movement uh, because whenever I scan around on the shortwave, I hear lots of shows. Do I think that being prepared uh, in regards to a disaster is important? Yes. But it needs to be in moderation. Now, personally, I think that looking at various government resources, such as FEMA, uh, which a lot of survivalists and preppers, they, oh, they hate FEMA, you know, don't even... Don't even get me started with some of the things you hear about that. Uh, but I really do think that it, that is a useful resource for the average, everyday person to base things on. And one thing, of course, that I especially advocate, I mean, I was just doing it a few minutes ago, uh, is the importance of communication in an unfortunate circumstance. And everyone focuses on transmission, uh, but the reception of information is just as important. And when everything goes to hell, and all communications are down, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've been through it with hurricanes, you name it. The one thing that always is there is radio. That's the one thing that you're guaranteed. I mean, that, that keeps on going. That's the last thing to ever give out. Uh, so that's why I always advocate radio, because it's such an important thing. Even if you aren't a regular radio listener, at least having one, have it on the shelf in its box with a few batteries or whatever, is just such a useful thing to have, if you ask me. But I think it's important to be prepared, but it should be in moderation. Uh, because like you said, if society broke down, right? It's a big if. It's not necessarily when, it's if. Uh, could there be major natural disaster... Uh, world war? Could it be a government overthrow? I mean, you know, who knows? Yeah, that's always possible. Is it unlikely, though? Yes. And is it unlikely that there would be a cataclysmic event, uh, be that a, you know, massive earthquake to a zombie apocalypse uh, that breaks down society for a while? Uh, yes, that's very unlikely. Of course, though, there's always those what-ifs. So that does leave that realm, all right, well, I think I should be pre uh, pre be prepared just in case. But I think there needs to be moderation. Uh, you know, I, I see nothing wrong with having certain essentials and having a few things stockpiled just in case, as long as it doesn't get out of hand. You know, there's one thing 
like having, like I said, some essentials, just in case, right? That could be a matter of life and death, and uh, that can help you out. And another thing, you know, literally buying a huge souped-up vehicle and uh, more guns than you can count and practically a warehouse full of uh, non-perishables and you name it, I think that's going a little over the top, if you if you ask me. Uh, going over to Carlos in Georgia, uh, he writes, I listen to your radio show on 5850 kilohertz with uh, good reception in central Georgia. That's great. Uh, I enjoy the, the featured topics as well as the suggested ones. Uh, could you consider discussing public transportation in your next show? What has been your experience with it, and do you think more should be done to promote its use to fight congestion and climate change? Oh, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a strong advocate for public transportation. And in New York, I've rode the buses before. And you know what? It's not glamorous. And it might not be, you know, the coolest thing to do. But it gets you from point A to point B. Many times when there's no other alternative... When you haven't the money for a taxi or an Uber or a Lyft, the public bus or the subway or, you know, even the ferry in certain areas, that's the way it's done. And unfortunately, I don't think there is enough that goes to it. Because I think it is a very important thing, especially for many underprivileged members of society. And we might not necessarily care because we can get ourselves from one place to another without worrying about it. We forget about all the people that can't. Uh, they either have limiting conditions, circumstances, financial issues, you name it. Uh, where public transportation is the only thing they've got. And I personally think that bus routes, you name it, uh, should be expanded, should be better taken care of. Uh, because I think it truly is an invaluable resource. Uh, public transportation is very important, and even if you will never use it, uh, there are countless many that still do every single day, and they depend on it. Uh, so next we hear from this listener, and uh, she had an issue sending the email the first time, but it was able to be resent, so I'm happy to get to it. Uh, better late than never. So she says, I hope this finds you well. I've been enjoying the recent broadcasts, and I just wanted to... Send you a picture of the My Day is Ruined uh, mug that I own. Said it's beautiful, I love the colors. I had a topic in mind, but I'm not sure if you know much about it, but I'll I'll give it a shot. Uh, She says, I'm a registered nurse and have worked exclusively in nursing homes and skilled rehab. I'd like to hear you discuss the difference in protocols for taking care of the elderly here and in other countries, And also your thoughts on the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, not allowing any blood to be used in treating their families. If this doesn't feel right and uh, you don't want, I certainly understand. Just keep on being your amazing self. Uh, Keep on keeping on. Well, thank you for your question and topic suggestion. Uh, Now, first and foremost, in regards to treatment of the elderly... You know, I do think that at least many nursing homes, uh, you know, they do the best job that they can. Now, granted, you have lots of uh, things that will make the news in regards to elder abuse, uh, but there are lots of, of retirement homes out there that 
you know, do the best job they possibly can, uh, be that in assisting the elderly, uh, or when it comes down, of course, to end-of-life uh, palliative care. Uh, though, of course, there are different, uh, you know, there's different places that always have their different means of, of expertise. The one fascinating thing, uh, culturally at least, is how treatment of the elderly is different. Uh, you know, when you compare, like, the, the United States and the uh, let's say, the UK, to uh, a lot of countries in East Asia, uh, where oftentimes, uh, as some people get older, and they may have difficulties caring for themselves. Uh, of course, like you said, usually, uh, that's where the goal of a, a retirement home comes in, or uh, if the circumstance is less pressing, uh, then maybe having, like, a uh, health aide, you know, someone to check in and make sure everything's going okay, it all depends. It's all circumstantial. Uh, whereas in some East Asian countries, it's more to the extent where, you know, you're the one that kind of goes back home and uh, takes care of your parents as as they get older. So it's just an interesting cultural difference. Like you said, it may not necessarily be my topic of expertise, uh, but it certainly is interesting. As you did mention, uh, granted under the First Amendment... Uh, you know, you do have the religious freedoms that are protected, uh, though I, I suppose I suppose each religion has its own specificities, uh, some of which, you know, seem just, of course, especially to someone who doesn't, you know, have the full understanding of one or the other, would seem to be quite odd. Uh, but granted, it all comes down to who you ask on it. We'll have some people, let's just say, uh, in regards to the Jehovah's Witness procedures, one person will think that it is absolutely ridiculous, whereas another person will think it's completely and totally reasonable. So, I think a lot of it ends up coming down to who you ask. Uh, but in the end, religion is just such a controversial subject in this day and age. I'll leave it at that, uh, but thank you very much for your topic suggestion. Two more, and then we will conclude the show. Again, feedback is welcome, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Uh, next, we have mostly a comment, uh, but also a little bit of a question coming in from Sean, uh, who has the following. He says, I'll have you know that I love my caffeine, namely coffee, but I was going on absolute benders pouring shockingly huge amounts of flavored creamer into any coffee I either made in the Keurig or bought outside the house. It was really sort of terrifying, the sheer amount of sugar. So, finally, I decided to optimize my caffeine intake whilst reducing my sugar intake to zero. I achieved this by switching to espresso. I now alternate between caffeine and caffeine-free espresso depending on the time of day. With espresso, it's the crema that makes it good. It's a smooth, creamy foam on the top that isn't milk or sugar, although you can add those. I bought a very simple espresso machine, and it has saved me mint. We're talking pennies per cup, and I often go ahead and produce a double shot of espresso, which fits pretty good into a smaller cup. And you know, once you adapt... The entire procedure from measuring the pre-ground coffee to cleaning up is less than a minute. Anyway, 
I have a Breville Cafe Roma. It's cheap, simple to use, and reliable. Just a thought. Have you considered this option for caffeine delivery? Or do you have a social or ritual component to Starbucks that you would miss? You know, I absolutely see the benefits uh, in regards to investing in espresso. And, you know, I bet it is better health-wise, probably on your body and your wallet. Uh, But alas, I couldn't couldn't help it. I would miss the Starbucks. Now, I think what I always get, because I usually... You know, when I go to Starbucks, I don't... I don't think I actually just get the the full-blown coffee drinks. I think I do get the uh, espresso beverages. But, you know, those of course, come with the sugar added, obviously, so it's not going to have that, you know, that concentrate, uh, that, you know, the other, uh, just like the pure espresso drinks that you have, uh, would, would contain. Uh, but, I mean, in the end, would I miss Starbucks? Of course. But, if push comes to shove, I would be able to deal with it. And, in time, I would get used to it, and that would be that. Uh, you know, the only thing that would uh, would take time for me to adjust is just to the strong flavor of uh, of the espresso. But in time, you know, I might adapt to it. And then, I mean, like it came, you know, for you. It would be second nature. And before you know it, that's just how it is. And I think it's a change that would be doable, but it would be tough at first, admittedly. But like I said, some changes you can adapt to. I mean, there was a time when uh, coffee, oh, it tasted terrible to me, and I hated it. And now it doesn't bother me one bit. Uh, these espresso drinks, or even just going and pouring out a standard hot coffee, you know, it's uh, it's something that I go with every single day. Thank you, Sean, and I'll definitely look into that going forward. So really appreciate it. Always interested in your insight and kind feedback. Finally, to conclude the broadcast, we hear from Becky and Koki Hansen. If you were to build your dream living space, money and upkeep are not an issue, where would it be? And would there be any special features that you would like? Uh, For example, I would love to have a creek running through my property, uh, stocked with trout, so I can fish and walk in my own backyard. Obviously, that's unique to me, but I'm just giving you an example. That's tough. I mean, location-wise, it would probably be either in Florida or California. I like New York, and uh, but the winter there is just... It's too much. That's all that I can say. It's just too much. Yeah, that's. It just gets to that point where the cold is no fun anymore. So, I'll take the warmer localities if if given the opportunity as for size it would not be a huge mansion like uh i was looking around did you know that one of the uh, properties that shaquille o'neal yeah the famous basketball player and uh the one guy that's on those commercials for the uh the general insurance he's big though i think a lot of people know who he is uh, one of his properties was up for sale for uh, $22 million. 
And I mean, it is this giant mansion. Whatever, it, it's got dozens of bedrooms, and one thing after the next and the next. And it's got a 6,000 square foot basketball court inside the house. Like, this place is massive, and it's got a multi-car garage inside, and all this stuff. I could never live in a place like that. Uh, because it's, num I mean, number one, it's so big, you can't even keep track of the place. And number two, there could be someone else uh, stalked out in the place, living in there. You would never even know. Like, any building, regardless of how big or small it is, uh, it, it shifts. It, it makes its own noises. That place would make noises. How do you know that there's not someone else in there, you know, hiding around? It's so big, you'd never find them. It's kind of creepy when you think about it. And it's just overwhelming. It's too overwhelming, best way to put it. So that's where that stands. Uh, but as for features... You know, I would want a good amount of property. It doesn't need to be too much. Like, I'm not very specific. Some people are like, alright, uh, I need it to be this, 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 and this. And I want it to be this color and that color. And want it to have uh, one thing and the next. And it's got to be in this layout and so on and so forth. I'm not that specific. Uh, you know, granted, it, it needs to be acceptable, of course. Uh, but otherwise, as long as it's in a, a, a decent area, you know, not, doesn't, it shouldn't be in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but at least if it has a yard and a little bit of privacy, it's not too big, not too small, but it, it doesn't need to be some extraordinarily huge, obnoxious mansion or anything. It just has some good property and space, and uh, then, like you said, as long as the costs and uh, management of it wouldn't be an issue, the rest will just uh, follow suit on its own. But I'm not really picky when it comes down to that, but thank you for asking and for your question. And with that, I conclude this broadcast of VORW International. Consider supporting this show, PayPal, VORWINFO at gmail.com. Patreon, patreon.com slash the report of the week. If you'd like to advertise, always welcome. You'll get a slot, I can guarantee you that. Um, that's the one thing that bewilders me. This program is out on the most outlets that it has ever been. It is out on YouTube, on SoundCloud, on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, so many online platforms. It's out on radio stations WRMI, WWCR. Goes out 17 hours a week on shortwave to all parts of the world. It's picked up Central America, South America, coast to coast in the U.S. and Canada. Goes to Europe, North Africa, new service was established there. Can be heard in the Middle East, South Asia. And even if conditions are good, into Australia, New Zealand, and the Pacific. This is the biggest that the show has ever been. If you want to advertise, this is the time to do it. It's prime time. And you're going to be heard. You're going to get it out to a lot of people. It's something you should really consider. If you want to negotiate rates, I'll try my best to help you out, hook you up. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Thank you. Take care, and I'll see you all next week. This broadcast is brought to you by Database Pros. For HR databases, 
HOA databases, and more great database software. Check them out, db-pros.com.